0: Hello and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 99. I've almost done 100 podcasts, that's cool. Um, I'm probably not doing anything special for the 100 though, because ultimately it's an arbitrary number. I might change my mind, but that's unlikely. Anyway, before I get into my topic, I just wanted to do the station news. I want to remind everybody, you can feel free to check out my website at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. You can also email me with show ideas or questions at podcast at gmail.com. You can find that on the website as well. And subscribe to my RSS feed. If you would like to read Steve's book, you can find the links in the show note or just Search Stephen Oaks on Amazon. And you can also uh, read my book. It's also in the show notes, or you can search my name on Amazon. So, I think that's it. Today I'm going to finish the Inspired by the Rune series. And I don't mean finish the series. I mean I'm going to do another one of the series. Uh, we are actually getting close to the end. We've only got a few more. So, I don't know what I'm doing after that. I have to think of something. Uh see we've got one one two three four four after this this has been kind of a fun series that i like going back to when lore can't get on and everything's kind of crazy in the pandemic so uh, it's just that's kind of why he hasn't been on we still like each other we didn't get in a fight don't worry it's just with the pandemic everything's a little bit weird um my schedule is still not entirely adjusted so so that's what's going on there Uh, but i have liked the opportunity to go over more of these um uh inspired by the rune things so that is what i'm doing today and uh today is going to be manas but before i start that i need to do a quick sound check and I've done my sound check. So I'm going to tell a funny story. It's actually a very frustrating story. There was a podcast I did, and it was with Laura. So that's even worse because then I wasted his time as well. And we recorded the entire podcast. And then I went back to listen to it, and there was no audio because um, it had gone to a different speaker, like a speaker in the Vive, I think, instead of like my speaker. So actually, his audio was there. None of my audio was there because that. That particular speaker wasn't a very good speaker and was far away. And that's what it was recording too. So it was like really faint, really fuzzy. Everything that I said, and there's no way to boost the sound enough to to normalize it. So I had to literally throw the podcast away. It was so frustrating. So now I just randomly check sound stuff on occasion. Anyway, um, let's jump into our topic today, manas. So first of all, quick quick meaning stuff. Let's see what we can find in the rune poems. Uh, I guess the closest one in the Old Norse rune poems is Modr. Man is an augmentation of the dust. Great is the claw of the hawk. Um, so that's interesting. And in the Icelandic rune poem, we have delight of man and augmentation of the earth and adorner of ships. Okay. And the Anglo-Saxon, uh, where is it? Here it is. And this is Mon, the one that looks most like the elder Futhark crown. The joyous man is dear to his kinmen, yet every man is doomed to fail his fellow, since the Lord by his decree will commit the vile carrion to the earth. So that's interesting. You've got a lot, uh, kind of a duality of man being dear to his kinmen um, and like a positive thing, but also very much the idea we're all going to die in here. I feel like that came up in all three of these. Uh, Adorner of Ships was kind of an interesting one, Delight of Man, Augmentation of the Earth. Uh, well, I guess that one was less. Augmentation of the Dust. Uh, so you kind of have the idea that we come from the earth and the first place. Uh, and and also the fact that we will die and go back to the earth. And if we remember from, I think it's a Valsipa, we talked about mankind being created by the those two trees that Odin gave clothing to and then breathed the breath of life into. So again, that's connecting us to the earth. I think a really easy thing... Well, I don't know if it's easy or not. I don't know where people stand on this. But I feel like there's often a tendency to say that humanity is separate from the Earth. And we are very different from other animals in a lot of ways. We're similar in a lot of ways, too. But I think our our differences are pretty big. And we change the Earth around us. We We talk about space travel where we are leaving the Earth itself. Now, it turns out there's a lot of reasons that might not work so well and we might not be able to live long term in space, which we'll see where the science goes on that. But it's very unhealthy for us to leave our planet and live in space for long periods of time for a number of reasons. Space is trying to kill us. Um, But I mean, that doesn't mean we should give up and not do it. It's just that's something to keep in mind. But I think that there is a tendency to say there is Earth and there is nature over here and over there is humanity. And these poems are really, in my opinion, saying that that is not necessarily the case. They, we are of the Earth. We are animals just like the other animals are not just like i mean i think we're more special because we're humans and we're rational and all of that but ultimately we are of the earth and i think it is very easy to have this duality where we see the rest of reality and then humanity and i don't think there's a true duality i think we are part of nature and that's something important to keep in mind but that is not the biggest part of mankind what I have in my two-word definition so what I did on my website under the rune page is I put the shortest simplest definitions just a place to start if you will Um, hoping that everybody else would go to the original rune poems do their own meditative work to find out the more deep meanings but these are like starting points so what I put for man is a society and mankind Uh, And and that's it. So mankind, by our nature, we are of the earth. Or humankind would have probably been a better word to use. I used mankind because it's easier to remember because man is mankind and man is translates the original translation to man. It really means humankind. Maybe I should even change that. I don't know. But humankind is more appropriate. Because it's all of human. It's not just human. It's just not men, which... Yeah, mankind has some problems as a word. But I mean humankind and society, stuff like that. So that's what this, like, vaguely means. And if we look at it in the rune poems, you know, it, it kind of makes sense because we've had this thing where uh, we started with, with this whole, like, sky god and earth mother thing giving... Uh, birth creating humanity, if you will. And then you have this AWAS thing, which which is really the seed of society because it's that closeness between like a mother and a child, right? So that's your first relationship when you come into the world. And if that relationship is screwed up, then you're probably going to be a screwed up person. And you can definitely get over that if you had a bad childhood or whatever. But it's a lot of work because that's like the first thing that you do and actually it depends if you literally had no interactions as a child uh, like if you were raised by wolves type of situation until you're 15 you're not going back to human society really Uh, you're just not you're just not going to be able to fit in society like other people do fortunately it's very rare that that happens and it's only in extreme situations usually of abuse unfortunately but it's not common that that happens Unfortunately, but that's something I want to say. But if if you have struggles with your early relationships, especially like mother and children, when you talk about things like neglect, that makes it a lot more difficult to fit into society. Because sort of what you do first is you have the your family um, unit, that nuclear family, your like you and your mother and your father, maybe you, your mother, and your father, and your siblings, because it's okay, so first it starts you and your mother. Like, that's the first real interaction you have. You're completely dependent on your mother for sustenance, through she is your main caretaker and breastfeeding. You know, you're getting your nourishment from your mother. Your father is there, yes, but you're getting your actual nourishment through your mother just because of breastfeeding and then the the next thing the world very quickly the world gets a little bigger and you start really interacting with like your siblings and your father and stuff like that but it's still that nuclear family and that nuclear family remains your what would you say like focal point or frame of reference for a long time until finally you're released on the rest of the world into the rest of society and then that's the next step That that's like the bigger one so you And and you see a lot of parallels in our family. You know, the mom and dad are in charge. They're the authority figures. And they have some sort of way that they deal with that. Is it closer to a democracy or is it closer to a dictatorship? That depends on your family. Some people are very strict. Some people are more logical. Some people... Don't let the children have a say in things. Some people do let children have a say in things. But that's like your normal, uh, that's where normal society for a child comes from. And then they go into society at, at, at large, and I think depending on how they raise, they'll see that as normal or not normal. If you live in a totalitarian state, but you're raised by, compassionate, logical people who give you as much agency as possible, I think you're going to see the totalitarian state as not right, something that should be changed. If you're going to be a revolutionary, a lot of things go into that. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But deep down, you're going to say, this isn't really right. Anyway, this is my opinion. But if you're raised in a very strict totalitarian family, you're probably going to be okay with the totalitarian state. So this comes up with politics a lot. I'm not going into the politics because that's not this podcast. Um, but the family life that you present should really be similar to the, pol- the political system that you would like to uh, see in the world. Because y- your actions as a parent you're normalizing your child to a certain type of society. Because honestly, the government's not coming in and doing anything to your kid. In most situations, I know there are exceptions to that, but I'm talking about in most situations, the kid doesn't see what the government is doing. Um, A little bit through school, there might be certain things that the government's going to choose to push or not push. But ultimately, the home life is where they're getting what's normal and what's not normal for the most part early in their life. So if you're somebody who thinks a totalitarian state is a bad idea, you shouldn't really be a totalitarian parent. Because if you are, then you're making your child think that totalitarianism is the normal and they should be okay with that or even go for that. And then, since they are the future of the country, when they get to the point where they can vote, run for office, be president, they're going to gravitate towards the way that you raise them. Unless maybe they just completely rebel against you and do the opposite of what you do out of spite or, or for whatever other reason. That happens. That totally happens. I mean, kids rebel against their parents all the time and do the opposite, the opposite of what their parents are. Now, often quite a lot of the time, as they get older, they sort of come back into line, if you will, with the parents. I feel like if you did a study, you would see that most... Children have the same politics as their parents by the time they get to age fifty. I know that's a study. I don't. I didn't actually look it up because I didn't know I was going to go down this road. Uh, but generally speaking, you have the same political party from parents to children. I. I. Um, what would you say? Personally, I see that a lot. I. I can't really say it's statistically sound because I didn't look up the study. But you know feel like it is that's something i should look up anyway um you normalize certain things to your kids by the way that you act so so again if you want a certain if you want your kids to think a certain way and if you want there to be a certain political system you should really normalize that you know if whatever it is that you think you should raise your kids very much like you'd want a government. You should treat your kids in very much the same way that your government treats you, because there are a lot of parallels to those relationships. Obviously, the family bonds are way more strong, or like just way stronger. Than they always will be. But you do still have a way that you interact with authority, because you, as the parent, are the authority, and your child, as a child, is the um, subordinate in that relationship. So, if you act totalitarian, that's going to say and normalize a certain thing. If you give them lots of choices, that's going to say and normalize a certain thing. And maybe you decide what you want. You decide what you want politically and then do it in the family situation. I think that there's like an ethical stance that you can come to. And Is there a right one or a wrong one? Well, probably. Am I going to tell you which is the right one and the wrong one? No, because that's something that that's a completely different field of study. That gets into ethics, which is a great field of study, but that's not what I'm talking about today. But I think the the, the you should there I think I can say uh, there is a universal ethic that we can think like this is right and this is not right. And politically we would say so the government should do x and then personally and also for the same reason I should do x with my family. Um, if it's wrong to, I I, I don't know, if it's wrong to use force to coerce people, you should say, well, the government shouldn't be able to do that. Just go around coercing people by threatening them. But also I shouldn't do it as a parent. Or if you think it is okay to use force to coerce people, then you're allowed to do that with your children and should maybe. And the government's allowed to do that with its people and should maybe. But you know, it depends on which politics you are. Do you, is is tough love the way to go, or is um, forgiveness the way to go? And whichever way it is, you you can put it to both situations. So anyway, this is like the first or the last room, the A was in, was the first that first family relationship where you set the boundaries of what's normal and what's not normal. And that will shape the future of society because your children will be part of society as they get older. But then this is the second step, um, man is where it's like the person has now grown into an adult or young adult and they're interacting with society and they're thinking it's normal or not normal and ultimately how well they interact with society is in large part the parent's fault. So if your parent probably don't be a bad one. (laughs) So I think most parents are good. And most people are good and have relatively happy lives in society. Uh, But anyway, this is where where you start interacting with society and what's normal and what's not normal and all of that, which is super important. Also, I think it's important as a society that we remember that we're mortal and that we're part of nature. Because... You want to take a moment to respect where you came from, to respect the land around you. Just in general, respect nature. So I, that's another thing that's important with this one, especially reading the rune poems, how it kind of stresses that we're part of nature. What's our place in nature? Um, should we not... Uh, destroy it at all and live in caves no i don't think that's the right way to do it but we we need to find a way to live in balance with nature where we're not destroying it and making our own planet because it's the only one we have and making our own planet you know bad uh hard to live on just ugly i mean e- even if that's all it is if you're like well we can't destroy the environment cuz then it's ugly what Maybe that's enough. But to be respectful to nature, find your balance in how you're going to live with nature, or society's balance with how it's going to live to nature, that's that's kind of part of this rune as well. How how are we going to live in balance with nature and realize that we are part of nature? Also, how are we going to embrace our own mortality? And and I think this is important because I, I, I think... One part of embracing your own mortality is realizing that you are a chain in this link. You know, first there were my parents, then there was me, now there's my children. And if you don't have children, that doesn't mean you can't still think this way. Maybe you think different, like first there's my parents, then there's me, then there's these connections I have with my kin members or my friends or or society at large, or these works that I have created, or, or whatever it might be. But one part of um, coming to terms with your mortality is knowing that you left something, that you you were not physically immortal, but you are part of a bigger, nearly immortal process. Now, the universe will explode, so not immortal, in the truest sense, but you're part of this bigger process um, where you move, part of you moves forward through your works and through your children and stuff like that. And I think there's another part of embracing your mortality that has to do with the soul and where the soul goes where you die, if you believe that, I do. Um, that's also important. But this man is, is sort of concerned with the idea that We need to be okay with our mortality in the sense that we know that we leave something behind that is good and that should also dictate our actions what are we leaving behind what is our legacy are we creating works that make the world better are we creating children that make the world better or are we making the world worse that's something that we should ask and i think as you get older and as you're getting ready to die I, I, I would hope that most people get to the point where they're like, you know what, um, I made the world a better place. Maybe I'm not this super influential person who's going to be remembered in the history books forever, but that doesn't matter. I did my part to make the world, place. I, the world a better place. I made it a little bit better. My kids are good people. I made the world a better place. And you. I think you can really take comfort in the fact that you are part of a really positive, bigger cycle, something bigger than yourself. You're a piece of human history. Um, and that's cool, and that's important. So, so I think that is also in this room, being able to embrace that and, and all of that. So I don't want to get too rambly, so I think I'm going to go ahead and cut it off here. I'll just stop by saying... Even though I'm not the most social person in the universe, humanity is really important. Society is really important. Having connections is really important. That is what has led to us being such a powerful species. Um, And that's led to us creating so much and having the freedoms that we have, having the the longer lifespans we have, having medicine, food, being able to pursue our own goals instead of just worrying about the basics of living. Really, that's all because of society. So society is really, super important. Um, and we are part of something greater. Because we have society, we are part of something greater. We leave something for for our children and for future generations. And I think that every generation makes the world a better place. And I think you can take comfort in that knowledge so i'm gonna leave it uh it, yeah so you can take comfort in that knowledge and that kind of helps you em- embrace your own mortality so i'm gonna leave it there thank you everyone for listening if you want to uh, check out my website feel free to do so and you can do that www.hugenhof.org. that's h-e-g-i-n-h-o-f.org and subscribe to my rss because i only do this monthly and that's not changing so it's easy to forget subscribe to the rss and i'll just come into podcast feed. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I will see you next month. Fraud hell.